Welcome. What's up? Welcome back to the Hear Me Out podcast featuring your girl Shanique Gilbert. <laughs> and oh, yes, it's still Black Lives Matter. And oh, yes, again, we're still preaching police reform. We want that. We need that. It's our right. We want reform on how the law enforcement handle us, how they treat us. Reform on how money is being allocated in the community how it's used for public safety funds. So, you know, let's balance this budget. Let's see what's up. My question to you, fam, have you checked out your local uh, officers and budgets um, in your cities and counties? You could probably go on their website and, and peruse through the budgets. Let's do this. Let's get it. Let's get educated. Check it out so we can talk about it in the future. You'll be shocked on how much money is spent on certain items. Which leads to, I guess, guys, got a special guest coming up next. He's going to continue the conversation, talk about accountability and educating ourselves. But it's very important that we know it starts locally. Well, it starts within first, with your knowledge. But it starts locally by voting. Make sure you're registered to vote. Go vote. We got to vote. And research who you're voting for. And know where our tax dollars is going and spent. So, boom, y'all. Let's have this conversation. Welcome back to the Hear Me Out podcast. I am very happy um, because we have a special guest. I would like to give a warm welcome to our, our platform, to a mentor of mine, a basketball innovator, supportive of girls and women's basketball, a tenured Army military vet, a.k.a. Mr. Captain. I <laughs> uh, just want to give a warm welcome. We just going to call him Rod Walker. How you doing? I think I'm doing great. Thank you so much. Uh, for, oh, for- man. It's for- really glad. I'm really glad to hear your voice. Oh, it's good. It's good uh, to, to be talking with you, to engage you. I, I, I love what you're doing. I'm so excited. Uh, so thank you for giving me an opportunity to share some time with you. No problem. I just, um, I, I, I was doing a couple series and this series, I wanted to add a black male's perspective about everything that's going on with our injustices and police brutality, the ongoing stuff. And I know that you, you very vocal on social media and in real life. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> I just wanted you to bless us with some of your wisdom. So, uh, I guess I'll start off with a couple questions. So for example, you could just kind of give a background of who you are. Um, and then we'll jump right to it. Sure, sure. Uh, so uh, first and foremost, I'm a uh, I'm a believer. So I'm a, I'm a Christian man. Um, I've grown up uh, Christian. Um, I'm married. Uh, I've been with my wife uh, 30 years. We've been married for 24 years. Amen. Uh, father of four, uh, a daughter, and three young men uh, as well. Uh, so uh, I grew up. I'm originally from Wichita, Kansas. Um, I grew up with just my mother, um, first person in our family to go to college. And, you know, as we engage, I think anybody that knows me, a lot of who I am is shaped by who she was um, mm. and what she taught me. And I didn't appreciate it at the time, but at 47 years old, I, I definitely appreciate uh, the life that she's given me, the perspective that she's given me. And, and God's been good. He's surrounded me with lots of great people throughout my military career, um, you know, throughout my you know, sports journey as a parent, as a player, as a coach. I mean, it's, it's been amazing. So 
that's a little I go on days, but that's I think that's, <laughs> well that's yeah. that's very impressive and and I, I have so much respect for you amongst so many other people. I have a lot of respect for you. Um so what's let's get to it. What's your take on the Black Lives Matter movement? So I I, I really, you know, as a student of history, you know, and mm. growing up, my mother was and that was she is an activist, especially uh for for black women. Uh, causes. Uh, so, uh, so I grew up with so many stories from, you know, my family that moved from East Texas up through Oklahoma mm. and the why and the how, and how those grassroots movements started out of churches, uh, you know, out of necessity. And I see a lot of similarities, you know, maybe not, you know, maybe the world has changed, um, you know, maybe how the language has changed, but the sentiment hasn't changed that much. Mm. Uh, so when I f see the energy that's happening now, and I got to say, I'm just as surprised as anybody else to see the amount of energy that's happening. You know, obviously mm -hmm. we saw something profound and it shook a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And and we see this energy coming. And I got to say, um, I really feel a uh, responsibility as a Christian, as a husband, as a father, as a coach and mentor to people to be engaged in this because it's for the betterment. I don't see it as a fight right mm. now. I want to kind of capture this as one side's fighting the other. And to me, no, it's pretty simple. You know, gets back to some basic philosophies we were taught when we were a kid, you know, treat people how you want to be treated, value people. Like if you get to kind of these simple things and we kind of look and go, well, we really aren't doing that. And I think now people really feel empowered to say there's a problem. Like there's a legit problem. I'm, I'm not staying mm -hmm. home. I'm going to come out and say something. And I think also on the other side with our white brothers and sisters, you're starting to see people acknowledge like there's for yes. real. Yes. Yes. That, that's been a big help. Yes. I, I think that's all the difference is is when we as Americans, not just black Americans or white or Hispanic, start to say like, this is like a legit issue going on right now. And there's no reason for it to be like this. Correct, because I believe it's a moral and a humanity issue as well, you know? Um, and I think that's where we got to start. But one thing you hit, you said we were raised a certain way. Everybody wasn't raised a certain way. So I think that's where we trying to educate our, our white counterparts or whomever um, about it. Um, yes, yes. Do you find that, you know, some people, if they're more offended with Black Lives Matter and not white supremacy? Yeah, um, uh, I do. I think, uh, you know, my push has been, I, I've said a lot, like it's time for us to start having these uncomfortable conversations. Yeah. Yes, sir. Okay. And I think, unfortunately, generationally speaking, we've been okay with white, the idea of white supremacy. I, I think the average person doesn't want that, doesn't like that, doesn't intentionally support that or, or consciously support that. But when we start talking about the inequalities, the disenfranchisement, the generational burden that's been passed on from generation to generation within the black community. Tra I think trauma, trauma. Yeah. That's very uncomfortable conversation. And I think one of the biggest things that I see happening is 
I see more of our white brothers and sisters that are willing to have that uncomfortable conversation to hear and experience mm-hmm. that's different from their own and, and truly listen with an empathetic ear, not with, uh, I'm trying to prove you right or wrong. Like, I'm going to trust what you're telling me, even though I can't understand it. And I kind of liken it to my relationship with my wife. Like, I can't be a woman. So all I can do is be empathetic to the journey that she walks because I can't walk that. Mm. And I have to admit, in my 47 years, there's been times where I like, that doesn't sound reasonable. But, <laughs> Fair. But, matter what what, because it's not my experience it's hers right right (laughs) to that position and i i think we see that materializing like in the relationship between law enforcement and minority communities i think we see that coming to a head like people don't are, are struggling to understand the plight of how black communities have been policed for over 250 years yes yes so even at best case scenario, if you take 1776 to 1968, where the legislation finally came, okay, hey, we're all equal on paper, at least. Hmm. Now, still, like, if, if you take a look at, like, what happened in Alabama, you know, where, where there are still cases going on in the mid-90s where just large sums of Black men were just being swept up and put into jail, and so, so when we look at like, hey, our, that relationship between law enforcement and the black community, it's been a certain way for like 250 years. And we're trying to write that in a literally a couple of decades. Right. A lot of hard conversations. Yeah. A lot. You're right. Because we're trying to tell them, um, I guess the fund police is not the most abstract way to say it, but we're trying to have some reform. Um, yep. some change and some buy-in, you know, so that that's very important. It, it's just traumatic. I seen a little video of a kid playing basketball, police car drive-by, black kid, and he went mm-hmm. to go hide. That that broke my heart, but but it's true. It, yep. it's, it's true that you kind of, like, freeze a little bit, so. Yep. That's, that's, that's generationally. Mm. I think if anybody knew, like, Let's just say something like, hey, you know that you live in an area where there's a lot of snakes. So parents teach their kids like, hey, you got to be careful when you go next to the stream. There's water water moccasins down there. So let me teach you how to navigate Mm. around fishing so you don't get hurt or killed. Okay, to me, it's no different than what my mother did for me, teaching me, Robert, you better start speaking proper English Mm. because you're going to use people before they even get to know you. Yeah, it's true, man. It, it's we have to. We were raised to to, to live the next day. We, yeah, yeah. Yes, sir. No, sir. You know that we was raised out of respect, but when it comes to the police and certain individuals, we had to learn to talk a little different. That's just. Yeah. I'm not saying that's uh, wrong, but that's messed up. That's that's what I'm saying. We're so we have so much trauma as being um black people. Oh, yes. A lot of our white counterparts don't understand, but. Again, some, uh, many of them, and I know for me, have been open to that dialogue. A lot of my friends, you know, said, uh, I'm, I'm with you. That, that felt yeah. good because I, yeah. I believe them. Um, oh, yeah. So I guess that goes back to me talking about, you know, you're over a very diverse program. Um, and you're, you have many diverse friends and uh, followers on your social media like, 
how do you do before you post something or say something do you think about it first or you just go out with your feelings or you just you say you know what how can I say this the right way without offending others while giving out how I feel do you kind of second guess some of those things oh yeah there's uh (laughs) I just had a conversation with my wife the other day Mm -hmm. a morning where I feel I, 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 I need to have a voice on something and I will put a thought together and I'll sit there with a cup of coffee and put a thought together over 30 minutes. And then like, I look at it. Sometimes mm-hmm. I pray. And if I don't feel it, I'll just delete it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I really feel like, yeah, you know, these things are, I, I want them to be, real but i don't want them to be overly emotional and raw understood so so every time i put something together you know and and i truly only talk about things that i care about you know so correct plenty of issues out there that i don't talk about because they don't touch me or or i don't feel like i have a role in that uh but when i do i really try to take the stance it's really more about what the person that i'm engaging needs to hear more than what i want Yes, yes. And I, I admire how you uh, interpret your thoughts and feelings and facts about it. Uh, I know I find myself, because of my role, I deleted several times. I'm like, oh, oh, boy. Because we're so, we were so, it was at one time, maybe three, four weeks ago, we were just angry. And mm-hmm. it was like nobody could understand why but us. And, and, but, you know, I just happy people are becoming open to it. Um, but I think with all of this going on, our, our main, everybody come back together, can come back together and figure something out, but we won't until we have effective leadership that's more compassionate and empathetic, like, what the heck? <laughs> um, you know, you're a leader of an organization and probably your platoon or whatever the case may be, your job, and you know the importance of leadership, you know? And yep. we just don't have that right now. Um, no. And I guess, how can we establish hope? I know we're voicing our opinions, but, you know, we have to enlighten ourselves of how does this voting thing work? So that's what I'm going to next with important to vote, local voting, all that stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so that's, an, you know, an interesting you know, discussion, mm-hmm. you know, cause, you know, we, I, I spent eight years here. Okay. Uh, and in Europe, they don't really have, they don't really try to deflect or not talk about politics. Mm. Like they, like in our country, we, we're pretty adverse, you know, you know, as much as much politics I see on social media, how many people caveat those statements with, you know, I don't like to talk about politics on social media, but let me, let me, <laughs> talk about when it, when in reality, we should be talking about politics. Absolutely. About legislation. We should be talking about, you know, our, our judicial system and how that, cause those things impact us every day. It impacts, you know, you're an educator. Mm-hmm. It, it impacts how we educate children. Mm-hmm. It, you know, people just think of legislation when something goes wrong, like, oh, we need gun legislation because somebody shot up, you know, 40 people. And it's like really on a day to day basis, we need to be looking at legislation like right now, like 
how much of our budget goes into law enforcement? Like I was reading some interesting statistics with our education system. Hmm. We spend six times more money on law enforcement capacities with our education system than we do on guidance counselors. Crazy. You know, I mean, and and the list kind of went on and on and and it's true. You kind of sit back and you go, like, actually, if we want to be proactive and create better better citizens, we should be dumping these resources into things to help contribute to create the environment for success for children rather than creating a reactive thing, which is what law enforcement is. Come on, Rob. That's what I'm talking about. This is a part of the reform and the funding the police. Like, put that money elsewhere. Come on. You're preaching now. Yeah, there. You know, and I I know the 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 term defund the police is you know is is somewhat shocking, but right. I, in it, I was kind of like, but I did a lot of reading, and it really isn't. You know, hey, we need to get rid of the police. Right. Like, let's talk about, and I'm a big believer in this. Like, people talk about things like, you know, abortion, uh, fatherless families, you know, inner city crime, drug issues, and to me. Those are all like when we're trying to attack those issues after a kid is 21 years old, that's too late. Mm. Okay. Trying to catch the girl, you know, after, you know, she's making a decision on whether she's going to have a baby or not, that's too late. Mm -hmm. Like, we're talking about how do we empower a child? Like, and we know what the answer is because when you go to nice communities, you see the right answers. Mm. Okay. You see that they get it, but we just don't want to invest. We just want to invest where we want to invest. And at the end of the day, this is where that systematic erosion that's happened over generations is getting the black community. And and I do think, hey, yeah, when we talk about going to voting booth, it's not about the salacious stuff about, you know, it's Trump or Biden. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm all for moving on and getting another guy in there. But we do really need to relook like, hey, in the county you live in, the people that control your funding, how much do you know about them? Because those are the people that are determining how your kids get educated. Absolutely. Our representatives. Come on. Yep. People that are determining really the things that impact you on a daily basis. You know, are there youth centers around? Do you have accessing to do you have access to to uh, to, you know, voting locations? Do you have, you know access to to healthcare, all these things really have a lot more to do with somebody that you probably run into at Publix than somebody that you see on MSNBC. Mm. So I, I really think at the root of the movement, when we talk about things like defunding the police, actually, I think it's a it's about time that we start looking at what are the things that are actually being invested in our communities that are gonna create the circumstances for success from a generational standpoint, because it's not that hard, okay? If you have access to the ability to accumulate and generate you know, uh, uh, generational wealth, and the greatest way that, that families have done that over the course of US history is homeowners, home ownership, mm-hmm. owning homes, okay? Building if, credit. <laughs> building credit, yeah. you know, they, over and over and over, the fastest way for families to accumulate generational wealth is ownership of property. Mm. Okay. And you look at things like redlining. Okay. I mean, literally we spent generations and, and it's still going on to a degree keeping black communities disenfranchised from doing that. 
accumulating wealth. Right. Okay. So how do you break that cycle? Like for me, I'm first on um, family to kind of I had to learn from my coworkers pretty much how to I should get a home because I'm spending more money renting an apartment. So right. I, I learned that after grad school, I was a professional. But how do we <laughs> um, instill into the families, single parent homes or non-traditional families? I, I, is that where we hold our our elected officials accountable to put on workshops? Like, where where do we start? Like, so so I I think the as as volatile as as it is right now, the forced engagement around defunding the police is actually, in my opinion, a great start. Mm. Not whether it's really about getting rid of the police or not, because I don't think any reasonable human being <laughs> away with law enforcement. Okay, I think it brings about the realistic conversation of how much money do we spend on what? And for the first time in my 47 years, I'm actually seeing the average person start to have conversations and take a look like, oh, there's municipalities where they spend two thirds of their budget on law enforcement. (laughs) Okay, when like, hey, what about libraries? Yeah. What, look at the schools over there. Like, what are we doing? What are we paying teachers? What, you know, why are we having such a hard time funding things like making sure that a kid can have a breakfast or a lunch if they don't have a lot of money? I mean, it's a proven fact. If a kid's got food in their belly, they're more likely to be a better student. Hmm. Okay. More likely to be a better student and enjoy their educational experience. They're more likely to not be out in the streets doing something nefarious. If there's opportunities for them to do extracurricular activities, whether it's music, whether it is a sport, whether it is Boy Scouts or anything else, they're less likely to be out doing things on their own devices. I agree. I concur totally. I believe that with that money, maybe some of that money can go towards the Pop Warner so single parent moms don't have to keep trying mm-hmm. to find money. So I agree. Uh, I think now we can have these conversations. Okay, we already know we're angry. We already know we want to fix this. Now let's how are we gonna change it. So educating ourselves about you know the budget, what's going on. I know a lot of us in my city, a lot of people went actually to a commissioner's meeting. I mean, there are protocols where you can't say much, but at least you can hear and listen and maybe get on your commissioner about some of the things you feel. So I agree. I think that um having this conversation now. What's your stand on um, the professional athletes? They're finally taking the stand, or I don't want to say finally. They're more visible, I guess you want to say, taking the stand on everything that's going on. They're out there protesting, and now they're talking about the importance of voting. Uh, I love it um, mm. because the, the youth, our youth, they watching TV um, or whatever, the, or Twitter, so social media. So what's your take on it? Uh, I'm with you. I love it. Uh, I, and I, and I don't think this is just unique to minorities. I think anybody that is using their status and position in life mm-hmm. to reinforce positive things, I think it's great. I think if you're, you know, if you're LeBron James or Colin Kaepernick, I look back and go like our history is riddled full of people that we revere so much, mm-hmm. and then and we still act like. Why are they doing this? Why are they doing this? And it's like <coughs> Muhammad Ali. Mm, go back. Yep. 
I mean, Bill Russell. Yep. If think about how different the world would be if they if people like that or Julius Irving that didn't use their platform, didn't have the courage to use their platform to do something good, how much lesser our world would be. Mm. And I, I love it. I love it, you know, and, you know, I just think, you know, human beings are, you know, we don't like change in general. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. Time you get somebody that has the courage to swim upstream to, to want create change it causes discomfort yes like right. like bubba uh the race car driver yes probably if what, i'm not mistaken ha- one of <laughs> very few he's, blacks he's a he's the only full-time professional nascar driver wow that's and think about the courage that it took for him courage to- indeed yes and but I look in the other side, and then he goes out there, and all those race car drivers walking with him. Yo, that no. gave me ch- like chills. Like I felt, I felt and believed that moment, especially yes, yeah. yeah, especially for NASCAR. I felt and believed that. Kudos to his peers. Kudos to them. Because because I, I think what what ends up happening is once that momentum is gained, and and I don't knock people. Not everybody has that kind of courage. And I don't knock a person for not having that courage, especially for something that they've never experienced. Correct. But when it is made available to you, I go, what an amazing, what an amazing gesture. How powerful. Even a guy like Richard Petty, who was totally outspoken mm-hmm. against Colin, was the first dude to walk over to him and say, I'm with you. Now they get and it. Now they get it. Now they get it. And I... I, I love that courage and I truly appreciate when people, you know, cause I think it's personally, I think it's easier to give it all when you don't have that much to give. Oh yeah. It's when you get fat and happy when you don't have to. The silent Le- majority. Yes. Yeah. LeBron James don't have to do anything. He can make his money, go home, beautiful wife and, and family and chill out. But he puts himself out there by choice. Mm-hmm. Muhammad Ali could have went home. Greatest fighter ever. Yep. Gave up the, his life by choice. You know, so so I, I so to answer your question, I think that aspect is a uniqueness in America that I think is one of the things that makes us amazing as a country because you can get into those types of status and still be impactful to communities. Yes. Where it's around the world. That's not necessarily the case. Yes. So I, I commend them. I love it because sometimes we need to, um, with everything going on, mentally check out and it's good to have somebody check back in for you. Um, <laughs> some, it's, to me, like sometimes I have to just take a minute for myself so I could come back. But in the meantime, someone's sitting in, the deck for you so it's a beautiful thing it's a collective thing but i i believe we will we will get our justice um i believe eventually there will be change to law enforcement it's going to take a while but we we just can't let this be a moment you know so Mm -hmm. if if this can, can, can continue and people still get enlightened and educated i think it starts locally with diff- with laws and holding your commissioners, mayors, 
city managers accountable. So that's my yep. goal, getting more educated. So like you said, you're actually checking out the budgets and everything. I'm right behind you trying to get it out so I can let the people know. So, but you know, this, this topic, we can go on and on. So, you know, we talked about professional athletes. I got a question. Yep. <laughs> By any chance, you listen to Beyonce? Yeah, I do. All right. Did you check out her new song, Black Parade? I have not. I want you to check it out. I want you to check that out. And um, Brown Skin Girl. Um, dope songs. Is is It came out. Black Parade came out pretty much the eve of uh, or the night of Juneteenth. And uh, it just a pro back up anthem song. Um, I'm glad you listened to Beyonce. That's my favorite person. Oh, yeah. Period. Period. Um, Huge person. I just I love music. That's why I like you, Rob. <laughs> Uh, I actually, once upon a time when I went to college, I thought I was going to be a, a a record producer. Okay. You know, I <laughs> and I was gonna, you know, I was in New York City. It's gonna go. I got did my internship with RCA Records. Oh, sweet. Uh, and I was gonna go to Institute of Audio Research, get my master's, and, and really get into music. And uh, you know, God took me in a different direction. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah he's funny like that sometimes. <laughs> but you know, you know, we didn't have when my mother when she grad she had me when she was in college. Mm -hmm. uh, young professionals didn't always have a lot of money mm -hmm. but one of the things that was such a delight growing up is my mother always had two things rolling incense and music <laughs> period and, <laughs> and it it gives me such uh, a euphoric feeling to be listening to music it just brings up so many positive yes. what years were your college years and your high school years? like what years was your high school college years like there are time high from 86 to 90 okay. and college from 90 to 94. And you got the appreciation of the 60 70 music because your mom oh. grew up on that and it carried over to you. You got the disco. You got all that. You got the good stuff. I grew up with it all. My mom, you know, you know, funk, reggae. <laughs> yeah. I had a couple cousins that were in the like, uh, one of my cousins is a guitarist. So he's into like Van Halen and stuff. So I had an appreciation for rock music. Yeah, yeah. Dope. Okay, man, you, I, you the man. Uh, uh, I loved it. I still love, I love music. I love Likewise, it, so. likewise. Well, I really appreciate you taking time out your busy schedule to be a part of the podcast. And uh, many blessings to you. Thanks for being a voice and a mentor to so many people, specifically young ladies. Uh, a lot of us look for that big brother, father figure, and you, you, you may not know, but you help fill that gap. So thank you for that. Thank you for all you do. Thank you. And I, I, I truly appreciate you. You are such a, a strong, amazing, positive human being. Uh, I have so much respect for you. I'm glad, you know, uh, our years that we were coaching uh, together is such a delight to always be around you because uh, you are definitely a force. Uh, you know, God's definitely put something inside you. So I, I'm excited for all that you're doing. Thank you for letting me be a, a part of that. Ah, oh, so. thank you so much. Thank you so much. Fam, did y'all hear Beyonce's new song, Black Parade? Black Parade, y'all. Beyonce dropped this right before midnight on Juneteenth. Man, I listened to it. I was just like, okay. You know, I'm, I'm a Beyonce fan. Everybody know I'm a Beehive. So 
I just started dancing, throwing up the fist, everything, just everything. Every movement the beat had me, I was doing it. Now, I don't know what I looked like, but I was doing it. Uh, I just wanted to share some of the lyrics, you know. I think everybody should listen to it. It's a, it's a whole level. Shout out to the culture, y'all. Shout out to my listeners. <laughs> All of them. Um, <laughs> some of the lyrics were, I'm going back to the South where my roots ain't watered down. I'm going back to the South where my roots ain't watered down, y'all. We got rhythm. We got pride. We birthed kings. We birthed tribes. We got rhythm. We got pride. We birthed kings. We birthed tribes. Who got tribes? We got tribes. Come on. This is so for the culture, y'all. Just check it out. You'll appreciate it. All people. Yo, one love for the culture. Beyonce, Black Parade, y'all. Check it out. Queen. And we're back. (laughs) All right, guys, we're back. And since we're on the topic of educating ourselves, having the conversation, and and just gaining knowledge about certain things for the culture, um, I would like to give respect to our ancestors, our elders, very late elders of the Tulsa, Oklahoma, Black Wall Street era. Um, Hundreds of lives lost, thousands ended up being homeless and and, and abandoned from that community. I mean, I wasn't aware. The great Bethune-Cookman didn't teach me that. Um, Or I just didn't know. It wasn't in our history books, at least for me. And um, knowledge is power. So now we know. I just want to give respect to them. I um, follow at Simone D. Sanders, at S-Y-M-O-N-E-D Sanders. Uh, it's from her page. Just want to give a quick story of um, the Black Wall Street and just giving her mad credit so I won't get in trouble for copyright or whatever. <laughs> but um, check her out. And, you know, I hope you learned something from this. I did. 35 city blocks of Tulsa, Oklahoma burned to the ground as an army of white men decimated a booming business community known as Black Wall Street. But growing up, my history book, I didn't read about how there was once a thriving Black Wall Street. I didn't read about how on May 31st, 1921, a Tulsa newspaper incited a white mob to violence. Didn't read about how white supremacists killed as many as 300 Black Tulsans over the span of 48 hours, burning Black Wall Street to the ground and leaving 10,000 people homeless. I didn't read about it because for decades, white leaders worked to erase it from history. Mention of the massacre was scrubbed from newspaper archives. Textbooks didn't touch it. And for years, there were no public memorials for the hundreds of black lives lost. So now, now we need to make sure everyone knows about Black Wall Street, knows about the Tulsa massacre, knows about the hundreds of black lives lost crazy right um thank you simone d sanders for always standing up for the cause and the culture um just to piggyback on that if you guys want something to watch i would recommend if you have hbo or your friend has a subscription (laughs) to check out the watchman um it's featuring um regina king 
um, is pretty good. And it kind of focuses on the injustices that we're going through with the police. It kind of reverses it. It also talks about the Tulsa, Oklahoma situation, Black Wall Street. Like, it's crazy the timing of this. And this came out in 2019, actually. I don't think it's coming back for a season two. But check it out. It, it It's just the timing is so unique. And um, I think you appreciate it. It's a storyline of superheroes in a way, but the content is so relevant. So that's my shout out for today. <laughs> yeah, check out Watchmen. Thank you guys for listening to the Hear Me Out podcast. This episode finished our two-part series of having the conversation. It's all about holding people accountable. Talk about it, and we hope to see change. Hold your local officials accountable Whoever you choose to be your friend, hold them accountable. Um, your white counterparts, whatever, Latino, whoever, hold them accountable. Educate. Um, hold them accountable to get educated. Hold your local officials accountable to explain to us why this is happening. How does it benefit our community and the culture? And, and I just want to thank special guest, Mr. Rob Walker. Uh, also would like to thank. She probably don't know that I'm thinking her, but at Simone D. Sanders for contributing to the Black Wall Street, enlightening us and just everybody who listening. I appreciate y'all fam and um, check out Black Parade and um, be blessed until next time.